Welcome back to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we explore ways to achieve those two goals. And we invite cool people on to help us who can help us because they've already done it. And that's why I'm so excited Justin Moy is with us today. Justin is the managing partner of a company called President's Club Investors. They work on investing in commercial real estate, which we don't talk enough about. So Justin, thanks so much for being with us today. Christine, I'm excited to be here. I, I love uh, I love being on the side of the table and just getting to talk to people about some of the most important things, long life and, and wealth. Absolutely. And because you have your own podcast, right? Yeah, I do. It's called uh, Passive Real Estate Strategies. And so um, when you, you love real estate and some of your friends and family get sick of hearing you talk about it, you make a podcast, you can talk about it uh, all the time and whenever you'd like. So yeah, definitely love being on the scene, being on the talk track. Before we started recording, you were talking about how you feel like commercial real estate is the fast track. So it's the lazy person or the impatient person's guide to way yeah. of investing in real estate. Can you tell me why you said that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've, I've had a really long professional journey in real estate. I actually got my real estate license when I was 18. It was like the week after my 18th birthday. Cool. So <laughs> I, I've loved this field. Um, and when I was selling real estate, I was making a lot of money. This was in the Bay Area in California. So mm -hmm. my average home sale as an 18, 19 year old kid was $2.2 million. And so everywhere I moved in the country, I'm like, man, housing's really cheap. This is, <laughs> it's great out here. Uh, so I was selling single family homes, making a lot of money and really realized that even in such a short time, I was really starting to burn out. And so I started to look at ways to turn my transaction, what I call transactional riches into longer term wealth. And so that's when I looked into being an owner. But when you crunch the numbers on owning single family properties, you really weren't making much. Um, yeah. You would make a lot of appreciation. The tax benefits are, of course, very good. But I was really a little discouraged when I saw the numbers. And since I've been in the investing space, I have really good friends and colleagues that are big influencers in the single family investing space. And, you know, if, if you can bank one to $250 net per month on each property, you know, that's like a good property for them. And, and to me, it didn't really get my blood going. It didn't really get me excited. So, um, and there's other factors as appreciation, you're building equity, you know, there's other things. There's not just that, but when I looked at commercial real estate, it was, I mean, it's that times as big as you'd like, you have a 200, 300 unit apartment building and you're really, really making some serious money. Um, so it really brought me to that side because frankly, I didn't want to spend the next 30, 40 years working or buying a single family home every now and then. And, you know, I wanted a faster track and, and commercial really let me focus on that. The single family numbers are not, uh, I mean, a hundred dollars. Oh, so let's see. I only need to own 2000 properties <laughs> to meet my goals. Right? And that's if you want to do it passively, right? So that means you have a manager at some point you have an asset manager, you have a portfolio manager. So you put up a lot of, you know, you essentially take away a lot of the meat on that bone if you really yeah. want to be a hands-off investor. And so when you look at commercial space, you can actually be 100% passive. Like that's just your job is just equity, just putting up cash. Then you have operations teams that do the whole thing. And because multifamily or commercial properties are so big, you can afford to do that without giving up all of the yield on the property. So it really checked a lot of those boxes that I was looking for. And to me, that's when all the light bulbs just went off. And that was about nearly six years ago. And ever since then, I've just been telling everybody and anybody I can about this because you can do it. You can do it 100% passively. And my goal is to help people retire within 10 years through cash flow with the right strategies. And you can do that in commercial is very, very possible. So when you're saying commercial, are you meaning larger residential or like yeah. commercial, like office space? 
Yeah, so we predominantly do apartment buildings. So it is larger residential. Now, anything above five units is considered commercial by the banks. So right. that's why we call it commercial. And the lending is a little bit different. The balance sheets are different. It's just the way the properties are evaluated is different. So predominantly, it's been apartment buildings. We'll also do some self-storage. We've done some short-term rental funds, um, looking into assisted living facilities. So there's a little bit of a broad market there. But yeah, apartment buildings is going to be the most prevalent. It has some government advantages with Fannie and Freddie Mae, who kind of help keep liquidity in the space that makes it beneficial. But yeah, so all types of commercial loans. And how are you financing those? Well, you know, we have partners on every deal and it's the partners are our investors. So we, you know, I'll give you an example. The strategy we run is called a syndication. So a syndication is a fancy term really for you as the investor, you bring the down payment and the working capital. Um, us and our operations team does all the work. And when all is said and done, the property is sold or refinanced or we hold it, you actually get a majority of the profits as the investor. So if we have a property, I'll give you an example. The last one we bought was a $10.5 million property. And for that, we needed about $4 million in down payment and some reserves, some closing costs, all that. Now, instead of writing a $4 million check, either ourselves or another person coming in and writing that $4 million check, we will go to our investors and say, hey, investors, we've identified a property that's a really good opportunity. Here's the business plan. Here are the projected financials. Here are the projected returns, the cash flow, the equity growth, the tax benefits. Um, you know, so we need $4 million. If you'd like to invest in this opportunity, you'll get a percentage of equity based on what you invest. So it could be $25,000, $50,000 at a time or whatever the, the minimum for the project will be. And we bring together a lot of people to take down these much, much larger properties that you may not ordinarily have access to just on your own. Are you primarily buying things that are pretty much plug and play or do you do any renovating? Yeah, we do a lot of renovations. So that strategy, we call it the value add strategy. Mm -hmm. And really it's, a fragment of returns. So you can totally buy something that is what's called turnkey, right? You buy it, it's fully occupied, the tenants are in there, the management company's in place, everything's taken care of for you. And your returns will reflect you're not doing as much. So what we like to see is we like to project at least, you know, anywhere from a 15 to about 25% average annual return. And you don't really get that with those. You have to roll your sleeves up a little bit to, to get those types of returns. So we are usually buying something and maybe it's distressed or maybe it's just a little bit run down or we feel like we can do renovations. We can put efficiencies in management and really, really boost up the value of the property and then either sell it or refinance it and continue to collect cash flow kind of along the lifetime of the investment. How did you first get into syndicating? Did you just put together yeah. some friends and say, hey, let's <laughs> buy a place? Or did you research? Tell me how tell me how you got that. Yeah. Got yeah. There. So I'm a big fan of paying for knowledge and paying for network. Um, so mastermind groups or investment groups, I'm a really big fan of, you know, I spent six figures on groups in, in my lifetime easily. What I did was I did an educational group. And it was a coaching program just to talk about the space and how to do these properties, how to run them, how to raise money, all this. And of course, like a lot of these groups, the biggest value is in the network you build. And so in commercial space, it's very, very common to have teams, um, fairly large teams. And so I, I met some people through that program who had the money. So the first deal we ever did together was just our own money. And we learned a ton there. We made a ton of mistakes there. Um, we still made money. We could have made a lot more, but <laughs> it was it was good because it was a smaller property. It was 40 units. And you know we got a lot of the mistakes out of the way. And then we started raising money on the next deal and the next deal. And as you start to give good returns and people are saying, man, I'm getting, you know, six, seven, eight percent in the stock market. You just gave me 20, 25 percent. You know, you, that just starts to grow and you get a lot of referrals and friends and family. So it starts off pretty slow. And then soon you just hit this, this hockey stick growth and you're off to the races. When you start off, you almost have to 
deal with people you know because when you tell people oh you know we're getting double digit returns they're like oh it's too good to be true Most yeah i'm kind of a right i mean it's true <laughs> people who aren't familiar with the real estate space uh -huh. might not appreciate or believe that these yeah. types of returns are possible yeah and i had somebody do that to me on linkedin actually this week um and so we were just making comments and we started talking to this guy and i told him exactly what we do we have 15 to 25 percent is what we like and he goes that's too much and I said, oh, you know, what do you mean? I feel like it's not enough, <laughs> you know, right. I want less. And he just said, that's, that's too much. People are, you know, people are going to think you're lying. So you have to do something better than that. I said, well, why, you know, that's what it is. Um, and that's what we've been doing for the past, you know, six years. So uh, people do believe that, especially if you're coming from a public market or you're an index funds or those are, they say about 8% is your average. Now you're talking about double or triple. Um, you know, some people, they do kind of their ears perk up a little bit, but you have to get educated on the space. You have to yeah. really understand what you're getting into. And you have to really understand what are the possibilities for that market. Because if I was saying 15 to 25% and everybody else was saying, yeah, 10 to 12%. Okay. I'm probably lying. Um, <laughs> this is what the market in commercial real estate is doing and broadcasting. And so it's, it's pretty possible. So how long do you tend to hang on to the properties? Yeah. So we typically will project some type of liquidation event at five years, whether yeah. it's a sale or a refinance. Um, and depending on the business strategy, it might make sense and the lending environment, right? It might make sense to do one or the other. So yeah. part of what we do is we were going to make a couple of stress tests and do some different case by case analyses and figure, hey, if we can sell the property, the returns will be this. If we, if we can't or don't want to at the time, because right now the market is really, really rough. Right. So we were going to sell two properties this year and we're not going to sell them. So we'll refinance them and, you know, we'll be able to return some cap in the cap capital and we'll continue distributing cash flow. but it's adapting to the market. So we like to have some type of event happen at about that five year mark where you've collected cash flow from the years of zero to five. And then you get one bigger either return of your money or a big, big payoff. And then we'll continue to give cash flow if we refinance it, refinance it and held it. Yeah. And that's something that people should know about syndication, right? You don't just like, it's not like your stocks. You can just sell them anytime you want. You basically yeah. have to wait for something to happen. Yeah. So they're a liquid. Um, and when you invest in these syndications, you are actually an owner in real property. Now that has pros and cons. So the con, like you mentioned, it, it's illiquid. So you have shares of an LLC that owns this property. So it is possible to sell your shares, but it's quite a process. There's an evaluation portion of it. It's definitely not the, the Robinhood app kind of plug and play. I'll <laughs> sell it now, um, which could be a good thing, actually, because usually when people are looking to sell their shares, that's when they take the biggest losses. Yeah. Right? So if you can kind of maintain through that. You typically come out okay if you have a long-term vision, but- one of the pros is the tax benefits. Now, I'm not a CPA, but what's generally accepted is that you have the tax benefits of real estate ownership, as opposed to some stocks that are stocks in real estate companies. You can buy and sell them at will. Again, there are stocks, but you don't have the tax benefits of real estate investing and owning real estate, which is an enormous benefit that a lot of people don't understand. I mean, in the long term, right? Real estate has always gone up in the long term, but just like stocks, which have always gone up in the long term, if you sell them at the wrong time and buy them at the wrong time, it takes yeah. a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, and and you always look at that. Um, and that's a, you know, things generally will appreciate. And one thing that people are realizing now over these past couple of years is how valuable tangible assets are. Um, so when inflation is going rampant and the government is printing money and whether you agree or disagree with the printing of money in the past you know, two years, three years, um, there's reasons why they did it. Maybe they overdid it. I don't know. But you can't argue that the value of your dollar is essentially 
gone away. I mean, it's been cut. It gets cut in half about every 25 or 30 years. So the savers end up losing and the people who hold intangibles end up losing. But the people who hold tangible things like gold or precious metals or real estate, they do really well because those things maintain their value. So they grow with inflation. That's another benefit too that a lot of people don't realize is that tangible asset performs very well in inflationary periods. And America always has a period of inflation, typically about 2% on average. So you're you're gaining more of that per year and you don't even really realize it. And for the people who are investing in this, it's basically, it is 100% passive, right? They're not, they might not even see the property. And that's another big passion of mine with going into the commercial space and the syndication space is a lot of people want to invest in real estate because they want passive income. But I always say, you know, owning real estate is not passive, but investing in real estate is. If you own real estate, you own a business if you operate it correctly. And you either own a business or you're leaving a lot of money on the table. So when you have a syndication, again, it's 100% passive. You don't need to qualify for lending. You don't need to sign on any docs. Nobody's digging into your financials, making sure you have certain net worth on different things. Um, you have limited downside risk because you're not signing on the loan. And you just wire your money to an operator that knows what they're doing, just like you would a, a T. Rowe Price or a Charles Schwab. You give them their money. They do all the work for you. The only difference is we're doing it in real estate with historically higher returns, historically better tax benefits, and more sophisticated operating teams. So it is truly 100% passive. You send your money, you get a check every month or quarter, and you get updates every typically every month on how the performance of the property. What's your part? What's your, and I should say, what's your favorite part of this whole process? Yeah. And and where do you put your energy and attention? Yeah, my favorite part of this process is helping the investors. So like I said, the, the podcasting, the marketing, the PR releases, the education, we do webinars once a month, um, the eBooks, podcasting, blogging, like all that stuff. I love all that stuff. I love sales. I love marketing. I love meeting people. And I am so passionate about private investments and they call them alternative investments, even though real estate is the original investment ever uh, in society um, as opposed to intangibles and stocks. And, and I just, I'm not a big fan of public markets. I think if people realize that, at least here in America, we are on a doomed track to retirement. I mean, pensions are gone now. Cost of living has greatly outpaced what you're getting in these retirement accounts. And you need to be, there's studies now that are showing you need to have about $4 million if you're a younger side millennial to retire comfortably. Now, the only downside of that is only about 5% of the US population are millionaires. So even less are multimillionaires. And it's going to be very, very tough for the average person to retire comfortably in the next 20 or 30 or 40 years if they keep doing the same old strategies. So I'm very, very passionate about this. And I love helping people invest in something really cool, like a commercial building that can really, really fast track their their lifestyle. Yeah. And I feel the same way about real estate and retirement. I mean, when, when I look at like in order to have all these little formulas, right? So you can only yeah. take out 4% and blah, blah, blah. So I need like what, five, 6 million just to be, even at my age, five, 6 million just to be comfortable into my retirement, you know? And it's just like, or you can just have a steady stream of passive income and never really touch the principal, which is kind of the yeah. point, right? And you're sacrificing too that entire time, right? Because exactly. I think anybody in the financial world or it looks investing, you get this all the time on social media because it knows what you like. And so it'll send you something and somebody will say, oh, well, you know, if you just invested $400 a month for 45 years, did you know that you, <laughs> why do I want to do that? Um, you know, I'm sacrificing 400 bucks every single month. I hope I don't get hit by a bus in 45 years right. and then I get to retire off of, like you said, 4% or 
And, and then the big justification of it is, well, make sacrifices to your lifestyle. You know, when you retire, you don't have to take care of kids. You're not paying for school. You're not paying for, you're too old to take vacation. You know, who wants that story? And so right. <laughs> you know, the financial services industry, they kind of package it in a certain way to sell you on retiring poor. And then the justification is, well, your lifestyle will decrease then too. Well, why do I want to plan to retire poor and, and make sacrifices? And why, exactly. do I want to wait? and why should I wait till I'm that old to, you know, exactly. do fun stuff that I can, now I'm too feeble to do. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the only way that those financial services industries can really package it and market it. And, you know, the Charles Schwab's and the T were prices of the world have done a great job of that. And so to me, when I dive into the numbers, I, you know, to me, it's, a, it's an obligation that I let as many people know as possible. Like you, we need to fix this as a society. And we need to look at different investing strategies. So tell me about retiring 10 since we're talking about retiring. A big, you know, people invest for many different reasons. And I've always found that my reason was fast retirement. Some people call it the FIRE movement, the financial independence retire early. Um, some people just want to retire early. You know, they're okay to live in like Vietnam or something. They're like, I just want to get there as fast as I can so I can live off as little as I can and, and just not have to work. And so retiring very, very fast was always my reason. I don't have kids as a personal decision. So some some people, they want like their grandkids to know who they were and be taken care of. You know, that stuff didn't really appeal to me. Um, it's great if it does for you. But for me, it was retirement as fast as I possibly could. And when I started doing commercial real estate with certain strategies, you could retire within 10 years was almost always the thesis that I found. And almost any way that I broke down the numbers, almost any way where, you know, I think of different people in different lifestyles, as long as they use the strategies that we use in the order that we use it, you can retire within 10 years. And by retirement, replacing your current active income. And so that's my big investing thesis. That's what I help a lot of people do. And that's really the cornerstone of why people come to us and, and invest their money with us. And that's really the big goal that they're usually looking for. And, and that's why this is get your fill because I'm too old to retire early. But but I'm <laughs> sure that it's so it's I'm going for the long life. Yeah. And I'm sure you noticed that this idea of retirement, right? It just means that you don't have to work. It's not yeah. like you're just sitting on some yeah. beach somewhere every single day, right? Yeah. And and whether that means to you, you are okay cutting back on lifestyle, or maybe you want to retire super, super rich, like you get the flexibility to make all of those decisions. And it's retiring through cash flow, not through age. Right. So you don't have to build up this big lump sum portfolio. And then like you said, the 4% rule, and then you got to wait till you're 65 or who knows what the age will be by the time you get there. Cause I mean, look at France raised their age. America's running out of social security. I mean, they've been out of social security. I don't know. Just keep putting it on the, on the credit card at this point. So who knows what it's going to look like. They'll likely start pushing your ages up. You'll likely start losing pensions and social security benefits. So that's just so much unknown. Uh, for somebody just to relinquish their financial future into you know, the markets, whatever that means, the all-encompassing markets. So when you go private, you have so much more control over that. And you can really invest with hyper-focused goals in mind with people who are in your corner and have similar goals to you. So that's what I do. And then, you know, I have a, a giveaway that we could talk about at the end of the show too, but that's the biggest thesis. So if that's something that you're interested in, that's really where we come into play. What was the biggest surprise to you when you first started doing this type of investing? I would say one of the biggest surprises is that it existed first of all, and that I could actually do it. This is more of a recent phenomenon that a retail investor can do something like this. And a couple of reasons. First are there are regulatory reasons. So the SEC started lighting up on who can invest in these things. Um, and there's some, some government policies that were passed that allows people to invest in smaller doses. And the second thing is the accessibility of information. So if you're thinking to yourself, listening to this whole thing, well, own apartment buildings or commercial properties or strip centers, like, you know, those are reserved for ultra rich people. That was true. 
because quite frankly, it was a good old boys network. And to be in that network, you had to be introduced or you had to be born into it or you had to be very exclusive or you had to come to the table with seven figure checks. And so for most of us, these weren't available for generations and generations, but now it is. The information is available because of different regulations. You can invest in smaller doses as opposed to these large hedge funds. And those were the barriers that kept the hedge funds in and everyday people out. And now that those are down, you know, just the accessibility really shocked me because I thought that too. I thought, man, I can't wait to be a millionaire one day and invest in apartment buildings and just retire. I don't need to wait now. You know, I have all these, these uh, tools ready to me. So that was the biggest thing to me that regulation had eased up and we we're now finally able to participate and some of the most coveted assets that some of the ultra rich have exclusively had access to. It feels good to have a seat at the table and be able to be able to take a seat for sure. Do you have any thoughts about what the impact of if there were a market downturn, how would that impact your investors? Yeah. How would that impact your holdings? Market downturns you have to be cognizant of and no matter what you invest in. All investing has risk. Now, in my opinion, and, and based on the history that I've studied, to me, real estate, specifically commercial real estate, has the best risk-adjusted return that I'm looking for. Now, one thing to think about in real estate versus stocks, if you hit a down market, right, you, you typically expect everything to go down. I mean, a lot of people think of the 08 crash. Well, stocks plummeted more than real estate at the time, at least on a national level. And when it comes to real estate versus the stock market, another big reason why a lot of people will look towards real estate is it's a little bit more stable. So if you have stocks and Elon Musk tweets something weird in the middle of the night, you wake up in the morning and your stocks are down, right? There's not much you can do about it. You can't really react that way. With real estate, markets move a little bit slower. So you have a little bit slower of upswings, but you have a little bit slower of downswings as well. So if you have a good team behind you, you invested with great people, they'll be able to see kind of the early on signs of some of those and make adjustments. So you have some time with that. Second thing is you always want to play some defense with your cash flow. There's two types of really big silos of investing in real estate. There's going to be growth or equity and cash flow. Cash flow is kind of a, that defensive metric where if you're investing for growth and equity, your return should be significantly higher. But a cash flow, even if you're making five, six, seven percent cash flow, that is still cash flow that will get you through recessions. It's okay to play a little bit of a balancing act because you have different silos of returns, cash flow versus equity as well. And when you do things like bigger commercial properties, okay, it's very rare that a commercial property is going to be vacant um, as opposed to if you have a duplex or a fourplex or a single family, you know, right. you it's will have same 100% kind of impact if one person moves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's diversity of income, right? A hundred tenants versus one or garages versus you just have a, a units rent out. So um, there's a lot of different ways to collect revenue. So to me, there's more defensive levers that you can pull to, to get you through those downturns. But, you know, it's not a magic pill asset class that's immune to everything. It's historically done very well during recessions and during market downturns, but you'll see drops in asset value based on interest rates and based on what the Fed does. Fed raised rates 11 times in the past, you know, 12 months. Yeah. Asset values have dropped because of that. Um, But at the same time, last year when stocks lost 24%, you know, multifamily gain about 24% of an <laughs> asset class. So you have these gives and gives and takes, um, but you have a lot of options to play defense when those happen. Yeah. And that's one of the big things to keep in mind with any type of investing is that you, you know, just because you give, give people this number of five years, something's going to happen in five years. Actually, if you're in it for the long term, you're much more able to weather whatever comes along. 
Yeah. And, and you want to be able to adjust because if you are investing in something and you're saying, okay, well, I absolutely need this back in five years. Okay. That's not a good move right. for you. Um, you have to be able to adjust with the market because at the same time, you may be one investor. We may we may have four, five, six million dollars of investor cash there. Well, we're not going to take a loss because you really want the investment back in five years, right? We're going to, if we can ride this out, we're going to ride it out another year or two years or three years until we can, we can get that pop back. So again, that's what we're doing with two of our properties this year. We could have sold them and made a little bit of money, but we know that if we hold on for another probably one to two years, we're going to make a lot more. Um, so you have to have that flexibility in mind too. And there are different cycles as well, right? I mean, self-storage is going to have a different cycle yeah. than commercial yeah. apartment buildings and you know different types of, it's just everything. It's not like real estate is one thing, right? Yeah. There's all these different, <laughs> yeah. different waves. And that's a great thing too about the commercial space. And when you're taking passive positions is you can be very diverse. You can be very diverse in region because you don't have to live there. Uh, you don't even have to, like you said, a lot of people don't even see the properties. You know, they've invested with us a, a handful of times that they know, like, and trust us. They know we do good work. Um, or you can come out and, and check out the properties if you'd like, the tangible assets, you're an owner. Um, so you don't have to invest in your backyard and you don't have to invest in what you intimately know because there's other operators or groups like us. We know multifamily. We know self-storage. Or if we don't know an asset class warehouse, for example, okay, we'll partner with somebody who has been investing in warehouses for 15, 20 years. So right. you have access to so much diversity of asset class, of business strategy, and of geography. That's way beyond what anybody as an individual investor could do on their own, at least to the same level. So this has been so fun, Justin. I've had a great time talking to you. So what is the best way for people to reach you? And if they want to, especially if they want to get involved or if they just want to ask you some questions and learn yeah. more. Yeah. The best way, you know, if I said anything that resonated with you, it's probably going to be retiring within 10 years because that's really what we do. Um, if you want other things that, the, you know, there's other groups that might do those better. But if you want to look to retire within 10 years, we have something called the retire within 10 bundle. That's actually the URL you could find it at retire within one zero. So the number 10.com. And in that, you're going to get a couple of things. First, you'll get your retire within 10 calculator. So you'll put in some very basic inputs about yourself. And then by using the strategies we use, you'll be able to find out how quickly you can retire through cash flow. You're going to get an ebook. It's the top secret investing strategy that's going to help you execute on that. It'll be a little bit more in depth than what we talked about today. And the third is actually a secret bonus gift. So this bundle in general, if you joined a very high-end mastermind for investing, this would be one of the first things you would get. Um, but I'm giving it away completely for free. So it's just go to your email. I'll send you an email with all that stuff in it. And my contact info will be on the bottom. So you can check check us out there. I'm also very active on LinkedIn, Justin Moy. Um, you know, I could send you some links too to put in the show notes. But yeah, just reach out however you can. But those are going to be the best places. Super. And we will put all those in the show notes so that you can reach out to Justin and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for being with us. I really had a great time talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. This has been great. I hope the listeners liked it. I'm sure they did. And that reminds me, listeners, make sure, like, who do you know who has been thinking and talking about real estate investing, but just doesn't maybe even have the bandwidth to learn all the things they want to learn, or they're having trouble pushing the button and actually buying something on their own. It would be fantastic for them to be connected to Justin. So why don't you share this episode with them? So thank you, Justin. And thank you for listening. And I'll see you next week.